welcometh back to the podcast that is as learned as the mountains are high in the sky. Two guys, one topic. It's called Joined Are You by Ollie. And Liam. <laughs> that wasn't planned. Um, okay, uh, for those that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. Uh, the idea being that we do the hard work and we share what we feel are the most important pieces of information with you. Exactly. But I must protest. Anything we talk about, we are not experts. This is <laughs> a summary of findings. Hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about a whole lot of things. Right. Ollie's gone all back in time, Shakespearean. So and let's get on with this week's topic, which does actually happen to be all about famous poems here we go then Liam this week's topic is famous poems I really wasn't expecting this when we started the pod two years ago to be thinking we'd be talking about poems but here we are another topic for us to get our teeth into and learn a little bit more about and hopefully share that knowledge with other people yeah yeah this uh yeah do not know much about this one I knew the titles of the poems that we picked. Like uh, we said it a lot of times. This actually sums up what we do this for. Like we just learned something about something, and I don't know when we decided that we might do poems, but we we did an episode very early on, didn't we? One of our very early episodes was about famous paintings, famous yes. pieces of art, and we said for a long time that was we, we enjoyed that one, and uh, perhaps we could do something similar. And someone had mentioned poems, and we said, ah. Oh, probably a few famous poems we should probably learn so uh here we are i think you might need to um pull the weight a little bit more today i i think i'd probably prefer to go back and do the greek gods episode again that's how much i've uh enjoyed doing this week's <laughs> one but, hey, but here we yeah. go i i did not do very well in my gcse english okay uh, i teach maths not english numbers not words you know so <laughs> I don't know. So, okay. Our, our thought process was there must be some famous poems that we should probably learn a little bit about. Um, and that's what we've picked. We, we brainstormed some poems, didn't we? And we actually came up with three poems that at least we've heard of. So they yes. must be famous. Yeah, exactly. And the three that we're going to be talking about today are I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud by William Wordsworth. Do Not Go Gentle into That Good Night by Dylan Thomas. And also, Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day by William Shakespeare. Yeah. Hopefully lots of people have at least heard of those titles because we had. <laughs> when we asked what we knew about poetry or poem or the poems, I suppose, literally all I knew was those three titles. I'm not sure I could have told you what they were about, the poems themselves. I, I'm not sure I could have told you who wrote them. I probably just knew the titles. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm a little bit behind you this week. So I, I knew one. <laughs> I knew one of the titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not very cultured. Don't bother. Yeah, don't let Ollie fool you. He's not cultured, right? So first of all, okay, what is poetry? I thought that is maybe just we're not we're not going to. This episode is not about poetry as a whole. It's about three famous poems. But thought is very interesting. Just to quickly try and get myself a definition of poetry. Go on then. So uh, do you want me to fire one at you? Yes, please. 
So it's literature that evokes a concentrated imaginative awareness of experience or a specific emotional response through language chosen and arranged for its meaning, sound and rhythm. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. So, so words that get you thinking about something. They evoke some feelings yeah. or they, they portray some imagery, the way that these words are put together. All right, that makes sense. Yep. And the word poem came from the Greek word poema, that might be pronounced wrong, which literally means thing made or created or to make or compose, something along those lines. So uh, that's what poem means. So shall we get on though? Should we just jump straight in? Should we go straight to the first poem? And, Sounds uh, good to me. We'll, uh, we'll see what we know. So we're going to start today with I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud by William Wordsworth, aren't we? And uh, we'll just talk a little bit around them and uh, just rattle through the three poems. If I just give you a little bit of a summary first. So this poem is up there as being considered one of the, the best loved and the most famous poems that's ever been written in the English language. And composed by William Wordsworth, as we said, and it's about him enjoying seeing a load of daffodils when he was on a walk. So would you like me to, to read it to you? Okay, everybody, take a seat, pick up a cup of tea and just listen to Ollie for the next minute of your life. And maybe just close your eyes and just enjoy. <laughs> Here we go. I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er vales and hills when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils. Beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze. Continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, they stretched in never-ending line along the margin of the bay. Ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in a sprightly dance. The waves beside them danced, but they outdid their sparkling wave in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft when on my couch I lie in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. Dean. Round of applause, Ollie. Feels like we're in an English lesson, doesn't it? And you've just been told to read aloud in front of everybody. Oh, one of the most nerve-wracking things I've ever done. <laughs> also, having children, lots of children's books are like this, aren't they? You've got to try and put emphasis on like the poemy bits. Loads of them are like that. So we should be all right. Okay. So, so what was that all about then? So we, we said it was about a guy who had seen some daffodils. Um, but let's explain it a little bit and just maybe talk about why it's seen as such an important poem. Uh, yeah, it's, it's about... It's funny because it says that the first word, the, the title and the first line is lonely as a cloud. And it's like, oh, that, that sort of sounds like this is going to be a bit of a downer poem, doesn't it? Like, it's going to just be sad. But actually, it's just, it's just about having a lovely time in nature. And as you get towards the end of the poem, he talks about how basically he remembers it. And by remembering the experience that you've had, you, you can get happy again. 
Yes. And then, you know, at any point he mentions from for oft when on my couch, I lie, you know, when you're sitting on your, on your sofa and you're feeling sad or blue, just try and remember those lovely times that you've had. Yeah, exactly. So as we were saying, this poem goes back a couple of hundred years. So William Wordsworth wrote it in 1804. It did get revised and the final version of it was published in 1815 so we're you know we're talking over 200 years ago and the reason why he wrote it was because he had this real life experience so while he was walking with his sister Dorothy in the Lake District yeah. which is somewhere in, in northern England it was in 1802 where him and his sister were walking and apparently they came across this field there were so many daffodils and it had this really lasting impression on him and inspired him to, to write this poem. So even though the title is I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud, it's much more about all of the daffodils. And it has actually been referred to as the daffodil poem a lot over the years. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of opposite of mo- lots of poetry, lots of poetry about stuff like sadness, loss, trauma, death, those sorts of things. Whereas this, this is clearly not that and it's about um it's just it's just a happy experience apparently words were felt things like these little moments in life could be the most profound you know should you remember them and, and hold on to them um actually they they help you out going forwards which that's exactly seems, it seems pretty, seems pretty true there's some nice lines in there that sort of cheer you up because he talks about the daffodils like people like they're a crowd dancing and waving and I just think that's quite a smiley picture you know if you're walking down a, a, you walk past a field full of daffodils you can sort of imagine that happening yeah yeah and so, he he uses the word saying that they they were continuous as the stars shine so and that they twinkled like the Milky Way just giving you that idea that they just went on and on and they stretched in a never-ending line along the margin of the bay so he's just saying that they're they're sparkly, they're being caught by the the water and the sun, and they're they're dancing. And he gives a guess to say that he saw about ten thousand of them, and it was such an awe-inspiring thing that he thought he would then then write about them. One of the things about the poems, I don't know if if you felt it or heard it when I was reading it, was around just the style of it. And so yeah, I think as you know, not all poetry needs to rhyme, does it at all? But but this one no. does have a certain rhyming scheme to it. Yeah, this goes so it's a uh, it's A B A B C C. You notice as as um you were reading it, like the ends of the line. So line one rhymes with line three, line two rhymes with line four, and then five and six. So the ends of the lines are like shine, way, line, bay, glance, dance, um, you know, and and all of the line, all of the, uh, the the six. I think called stanzas. Aren't yeah. they in poetry? I think they're called yes. six. The stanzas, like like almost like the verse, they 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 work like that. And it's the style of it, and the reason why people study it so much apparently, is because of the simplicity of the language, how clear it is to understand what what yeah. he was saying, and then just this vivid imagery that you're able to to you know it's a really straightforward poem, isn't it? You don't need to be overthinking it. He saw a load of daffodils, he loved it, and he talks about them. And then in the final stanza, as you said, it then switches from being in the present moment, and you're there, you're sort of there with him when when you're reading it, of him looking out at these daffodils. And the final one is all about the memory of it and like how it made him feel. 
Um, and that, that switch up, that switch up at the end of a poem is called a volta. And actually, all of the poems we're going to read today have got something similar. And that's where basically the yeah, like it changes. There's a, there's a switch. Like the, the writer, the, the poet has written something and you think it's about one thing. And at the end, something happens where it would change and it will sort of almost contradict what has been going on before it. It's called a volta. But yeah, like you're saying, one minute you're, you're walking through the daffodils, the next minute he's on my couch, I lie in vacant or in pensive mood. And suddenly he's like, now he's, he's not there anymore. And it says, they flash upon my inward eye. That's, you know, that's like, a memory, isn't it? Yes. Your, your inward eyes is inside, which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. It's nice. It's nice. It it's does. Really nice. And it, he uses the word in each of the, the verses of all four verses, either dance or dancing, danced. Um, it's, it's got that continuously. So it's, it's given you that feeling of you know, happiness and, um, you know, you generally dance when you're happy, don't you? Some of the occasions yeah. that I was reading that this poem now gets associated with is, well, as we said, a lot a lot of study goes into the poem. So in, in schools and universities, it's also used as a bit of a celebration around earth or environmental based things. So like Earth Day yeah. often associates this as their poem or environmental celebrations just because it's so so close to nature, but it is also used at funerals and memorials because of the the solitude part of it, and just the the like it's quite a beautiful poem or considered to be a beautiful poem about daffodils. You know, maybe trying to remember somebody in a in a positive way. It also gets used. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I read though contrast to that because this has obviously been studied a lot. So I think. You know, this is something that I think is studied at GCSE and things like that, isn't it? And, and, you know, in exams and universities and stuff. He's sort of saying that we should live in the moment and really appreciate the, um, like, the experience of being in nature and to lose us in it. But if we know that we are trying to lose ourselves in something, does that not then mean that, that the illusion that we're lost in it doesn't work? Isn't that like Inception? If you know, if I know that I'm trying to lose myself in this, I can't really lose myself in it, can I? Wow, that is deep. That is, <laughs> that is super deep. Yeah, so if you're conscious about trying to lose yourself in something, you're not actually losing yourself because you're still conscious yeah. about it. Yeah, I read something I was saying like, how can a poem capture that moment accurately if in that moment you're trying to not think about the moment? So therefore, when you're in it, you shouldn't be thinking about what's happening. But yeah. to write a piece of poetry, you have to remember everything that happened, which yeah. is sort of like against the point of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I don't know. If you're listening to this for some help with your exams, feel free to use that one. <laughs> what, what do I know? <laughs> the, the nice thing about this is that the, the poem's not really considered to be controversial at all in any way. Some people have pointed out the use of the word gay in the final stanza. Um, but as you know, is, is that controversial at all? But it's very much the, the word gay was meant in a, in a cheerful, um, happy context of, of his feeling. Um, so yeah, wanna, um, it's, it's, it's not really not a controversial poem by any means. That, that line, the line you're talking about, it says a poet could not but be gay, as in a, a poet can't help but be happy. Yes. 
You know, the waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not be but gay in such a jocund company. Like, you can't be not happy in this company of all these flowers. Jocund was a new word for me. Yeah, I didn't even know that's how you pronounce it. I, mean, I said that because that's how you said it. I was, I'm trusting you on that one. <laughs> so it is. So, so jocund is, means lighthearted or, um, yeah, light, light of mood. But yeah, quite quite an interesting poem, and one that I think was quite happy and straightforward. Shall we move on to the next? Yeah, also relatively straightforward. Okay, we're going to go second. We're going to go to "Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night." So this is by a Welsh poet called Dylan Thomas. This is a much more modern one, so it's only about sixty years old or so, written in nineteen sixty-seven, yeah. and. As you'll hear when Liam reads this to you, it's very much around death, ageing, and then trying to to fight, fight off death for as long as you can. Yeah, okay, here we go. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right, because their words had forked no lightning they, do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright, their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight, and learn too late they grieved it on its way, do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death, who see with blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height. Curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Oh, yeah, I've got, got to give you one of those. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm sweating. So under pressure. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully people listening will, you know, hear there's there's a lot of vivid and evocative language that, that's in there. And there was a clear repetition that kept on being yeah. said, which was that do not go gentle into that good night. And and rage, rage against the dying of the light, like fight against it. So, so the point of this poem is all about fighting against death, isn't it? And, and yes. against old age and, and not giving in, essentially. And that's, that, that, that's essentially it. The sick and the dying to fight bravely against their death. And um, i got to be honest, this one gives me a bit of the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> you know, it's a bit like, you know, because you, you can sort of, everyone's got to die at some point. And it's all a bit like, Oh, I don't like it. I don't like thinking about it. I don't like reading this. Uh, yeah, disclaimer, yeah, he be jeebied me, if I'm honest. I don't know. What do you think about it? In all honesty, I find it a little bit gibberish and quite hard to understand until I actually, <laughs> I actually went through it in a bit more detail. Because there's, okay. there's, a, lot, there's a lot of metaphor. There's a lot of simile. Yeah. That, that's yeah. in there and there, there's a lot of um unpicking that you need to do so as we said it's it's about not not wanting to 
to die. And it, he talks about it in a, in a number of the, the stanzas. He talks about it from the perspective of other people. And then the, the interesting yeah. thing that at the last stanza is that it then switches and it's then much more personal. So again, this is the Volta that, that Liam was talking about earlier. It then switches talking about other people and what their thoughts are on dying or what they might feel like as they're on their deathbed. And then the last one is about his father. And he says, and you, my father, there on sad height. And you can hear that he's then conflicted with his feelings. And he says, curse, bless me. Now with your fierce tears, I pray, do not go gentle into that good night. So he's talking about his his dad there and not wanting to lose his dad. But there's some interesting um yes to other people in the uh, in the earlier stanzas aren't they yeah yeah you're right it, i mean it is com- well i mean the, the just the, the language is it's much more complicated than the daffodils isn't it yes uh to try and decipher exactly what what these lines are saying but yeah what you're right like each each bit is about a group of people and how they might feel on their deathbed and how fighting against dying Will, will give them more life to do the things that perhaps they haven't done that they wanted to do. Um, so there's a bit where they talk about wild men and talking about these wild men um, have clearly spent their lives living quite recklessly. Okay, They caught and sang the sun in flight. But when they face death, it's about realizing that they, they sort of regret that life and that if they could fight for more time, they'd be able to do something more worthwhile. Yes. That's one yeah. of the lines. That's about wild men. There's one about wise men realizing that their words have not forked lightning. Now, well, there's, a, you know, there's a few other words used in the lines of the poem, but essentially the point being they've realized, actually, although they are wise, they have not changed the world or created anything significant. They, their words have not forked lightning. Um, and that if they could fight against death, they would have more time to make an impact. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. People like looking back at their life or use it as inspiration when you're younger to actually do something with your life. So you're then not in the position on your deathbed of thinking, I could have, should have, would have done that with my life. The style yeah. that the poem is is written in, so you've it's called uh, Vinale, French word, Villanay. Villanelle. Villanay. Yeah, I don't know how you say that word. Villanelle. Yeah, probably Villanelle. And it consists of five three-line stanzas and then a stanza of four lines at the end. So it's got the it's got the repetition that we've said there. And you might notice with the it's the first line and the third line of each stanza that then rhyme. So I'll just say that the first stanza again. So do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light so yeah night and light every other line rhymes yeah and then it's do you also notice that the second line rhymes with the second line of each stanza so it's day they they way gay pray all the way through it i i was speaking to some english teachers saying i was doing this and they they said they don't they're not the two of them and they both said very similarly they're not fans of this because of the repetition because the last line and the last line is the same every single time. And it's just that they, they reckon it, I don't know. I don't know why they reckon it's just a bit repetitive. Yeah. Uh, but the, the style that it's written in 
this Villanelle, Villanelle, it's it is a a structure and a style, isn't it? So he's he's decided that I'm going to write it in this format for a reason. Yeah. And yeah. So it was French, but he was he was Welsh writing in English, but he's decided to to write it in this format. Um, but there was not controversy, but there's maybe some thought that he was maybe rebelling by writing it in this format, wasn't there? Yeah, th- this format had gone out of style, and he, he's a bit like he's writing it because he's yeah, like rebelling against, I guess, modern poets and how they were writing at the time. And he, you know, he his his um his way of saying that I want to be like traditionalists or or however he might have seen them. Um, so just to remind you on that, yeah. so it was written in 1947. So yeah, it was. I would say relatively modern. It's it's not a couple of hundred years old. Essentially, life is precious, right? That's sort of, I guess, I think that's what I take out of this. Life is precious. Death is inevitable. Fight against it. Like, it's coming. Like, do all you can and live live in the moment, I guess. No yeah. regret. Yeah, definitely. So the, the poem is often read at funerals which makes sense because of the themes of aging and, and dying and, and, you know, making the, the most of life. Um, so it's used for funerals and memorial services. Sometimes lines or parts of it are taken for inspirational speeches um, about you okay. know, to encourage people to live life at the fullest. Um, yeah. But it's, it's one of those, those ones where, yeah, it, it evokes a lot of sadness. As you said, it sort of gives you the, the heebie-jeebies and it, it is about, dying and about how his how his dad ultimately was dying but this dylan thomas he didn't live to a, an old age himself he died when he was 39 uh, which was only a wow. year after this poem was written so he apparently he was a heavy drinker which contributed to him dying um but he was he was really into his poetry and he started writing poems when he was pretty young so he published his first poems when he was 20 years old but weirdly, he had a bit of a strange relationship with his dad, where his dad didn't approve of him being a poet. I don't know. Maybe comes out in the in the poem where he's sad at the end, where he then doesn't. He's not getting on with his dad, but he's still sad about his dad dying. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. It's. I think it's quite sad. I don't really like it. He beat me up, but I can see the point that I've got to live for it. So. But yeah. Pretty famous poem, that one. So I'm a much more modern one, which is pretty good to have done, I guess, isn't it? So let's go on to our third and final poem then of the, of the evening. Well, unless you're listening to this in the morning, in which case of the morning. Sounds good to me, Liam. Let's move on to William Shakespeare's Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day? Sonnet 18 of Load, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what's this one about? Well, it's interesting because I... I think the title, first of all, Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day? That is super, super famous, isn't it? And Shakespeare's got some pretty yeah. famous, famous lines of poetry. He's got to be or not to be, and he's got Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? So they're, they're all well-known poems as well, but this is considered to be like up there as one of the most beautiful sonnets that's ever written. And it's yeah. all about comparing someone who you love to a summer's day. Okay. So who's reading this one then? Because we've both read one and it was nerve wracking. What paper scissors? I'm more than happy to hand this one over to you, Liam. You go. Okay. The, the problem is, and we both texted each other and say this, I haven't actually practiced reading it 
aloud. I've read it, obviously, but I haven't actually read it out loud. So this might, this might be a blatant edit in this where we have to just do it again. I have read it out loud a number of times, but I'm still happy for you to read it. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's get it. Right, poem number three, super famous. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer's least hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, and often is his gold complexion dimmed, and every fair from fair sometime declines by chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou oust, nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou groust. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. Oh, yes. Yeah, beautiful. Beautifully read. Beautifully read. I said, so good. Well, I said groust, and I, I said groust. I think it would be growest. Yeah, growest. Like, uh, anyway. Anyway, so, that, that, well, all we've done... All we've done is get more and more complicated because that's now even more complicated. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly it. So for people that don't know, Shakespeare was a poet in England and we're talking about 400 years ago now. So you can sort of hear from the language there. It's not your your everyday use of language that, that we have. And so this was written sometime in the early 1600s, possibly around 1609. They think it might have been written. Yeah. And yeah. it was part of a, a collection, uh, a total collection of 154 sonnets. So what Liam's just read there is a sonnet, and we'll say what that is in a minute. Um, and so, yeah, this, this is sonnet 18. And it, it's, again, known for just the, the language that it's using that, that really resonates with people about comparing a summer's day and how that can sometimes be fleeting compared to the beauty of the, the person who he's comparing it to. Yeah, he's trying, what, he's trying to find an appropriate metaphor to describe his beloved. Now, if you try and decipher some of the words, he compares him to a summer's day, he compares him to the sun, he compares him to the darling buds of May. And he realizes eventually, as we get towards the Volta, the, the second half, it's the last six lines of the poem, that actually none of those adequately reflect the beauty of his beloved. And that because, because in comparing someone to something like the summer, the summer will inevitably decline or turn into winter. So yeah. you're sort of like, that's not a nice, you know, it's nice in the moment to compare them to that, to compare them to like some lovely flowers that are budding. That's great. And it's lovely for a little while, but actually they die. And it, perhaps it's not the nicest thing to compare someone to that. And he realizes the vault of the second part of the poem is that actually the poem itself is the thing that will live forever, yes. which is quite interesting. It like comes full circle. It's actually the thing that, that I should compare you to is this beautiful piece of poetry because this will never go anywhere. And this is forever. Well, that's the last two lines, isn't it? Where it really switches, as you were saying. And this is where he's, as you rightly say, he's, he's been talking all about nature and, and the person comparing them. And then it's all of a sudden, 
So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this and gives life to thee. As long as people are breathing and have eyes, and as long as this sonnet lives, it will give life to you. That's what he's he's been trying yeah. to say in that, that last po- poem. Poems are eternal. Poems are eternal. They do not change. Uh, they're not altered. New readers will read them. They will have the same meaning just about. Um, yeah, uh, you know, there's lines in there about, you know, summer, but eventually, uh, you know, winter's coming. He talks about the lovely weather, but actually it's not always, it's temperate. It's not always the same weather. Yes. So the only thing to compare you to would be the poem itself. And that that's the takeaway of this poem is, is that, that although he tries to compare him to something lovely, actually the poem is the thing that he ends up comparing him to. Yeah, that's right. And it's, Which I um, think is pretty cool. Yes, yeah, definitely. And th- th- there's a line in there that I found particularly perplexing was around, and every fair from fair sometime declines. That's right in the middle. And again, what you're saying there is basically saying that beauty can fall away from beautiful people. So it's like picking out yeah. some of those things and saying that, as you were saying, like the uh, nature can change, that the sun can be too hot in a summer's day. So is that a good thing that I'm comparing you to a summer's day? Because it can be too hot. And also the yeah. summer can sometimes be too short in duration. You know, you always want it to go on longer, but your your beauty and how you are will carry on going on forever. So there's there's some interesting lines in there. Yeah, he mentions about like lines, some of the lines, the lines are eternal. You know, the lines of the poem. When in eternal lines to time thou growest. So the, the lines of the poem are eternal. They won't change. Um, yeah, that's that's what it's about. Um, it's pretty complicated though, isn't it? It is complicated and something to get your head around. It's written in a particular style that we were saying in forms of a sonnet as well. And so, so sonnets, they were, they were really popular and they, they originated in Italy from the 13th century. And William Shakespeare really liked these. He, he latched onto them. And a sonnet, it typically consists of 14 lines and it's got a rhythmic pattern to it where each line has 10 syllables and it alternates between okay. how, how the, the stresses within each of the, the sentences are said. So that there is rhyming in it, as, as we were saying. So every other line of his one seems to, to rhyme. That doesn't always have to be the case in a sonnet, but it definitely sticks to being 14 lines. And it's also got 10 syllables on each of the lines. Did not realise that about the 10 syllables. Let me have a quick check. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Put me on the spot there. You're right. No. Do you know I, I, right. Do you know what? Actually, I like this one. I think this is good. I, I like the twist. It's almost like a twist. I like that, actually, there's this twist at the end, this Volta that happens. But it's very, like, if I hadn't gone online yeah. and Googled what this meant, yeah, I would have. I wouldn't be able to decipher this for myself. That's what I was just about to ask you. Like, it, once you look into it and you you have some explanation to it, you can maybe appreciate it a little bit more. Or certainly, yeah, that was for sure. that was for me. I don't want to talk for everybody, but certainly for me, I, I hadn't really realised that 
switch, that volta at the end, what that really meant. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this and gives life to thee. If I'd have just sat in front of this poem with no internet and tried to work out what was happening or what they were talking about, I would have no idea. That's really, but I think back in the, you know, 400 years ago, this is how people spoke. I think it's a bit different. Perhaps, you know, this, this reads more like the daffodils 400 years ago to those people. You know, yes. perhaps they read it. And like, this is a simple poem. Yes. This makes loads of sense. <laughs> anyway. Absolutely. So there are three poems, right? They're pretty famous. We've learned a little bit about each of them. What do you think about poetry having a having finished? Because I, I, I know you've got something to say about this. Everybody, controversial Ollie's coming. <laughs> I just wonder if people read more into what's been written than what the poet actually meant. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I don't know if people have been looking at it for, you know, 200 years, wandered lonely as a cloud. And, you know, maybe Wordsworth just boshed that out and thought, here we go. I'm going to write a poem. Yeah. I'm going to make it sort of rhyme. I'm going to talk about like comparing it to the Milky Way and it going on forever. And then just at the end, just go, yeah, I think about that sometimes. I really enjoyed it. And then people, you know, they they pour over it for hundreds of years and go, wow, that was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I do. I do. Uh, controversially. Is it controversial? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. We've probably got a lot of poetry fans listening. So, you know, if you want to fire us some poetry, you know, some, some poetry that you like, absolutely give it a read. You know, we'll cover this at the end of the series. So let us know. And uh, I'd be interested if we get some some um, requests. I have got a little takeaway. I, go- I Googled interesting poem facts. Do you want to know just a, an interesting fact this week? <laughs> yeah, go on. There is a German poet called Gottlob Berman. Apparently, he didn't like the letter R. And although he wrote 130 poems, he never used the letter R in any of his poems. <laughs> I'm not having that. <laughs> oh, that's good. Do you want to know my, my takeaway for this week? Yeah, go on. It's a fourth poem. Who would have thought that? Oh. Combining uh, our topic from a couple of weeks ago, I asked ChatGPT to summarise two guys, one topic in a poem format. So here we go. Strap yourself in. Two guys, one topic they choose. Discussing things, they share their views. From current events to pop culture, conversations are never a torture. Ollie and Liam, the hosts with charm, their humour never causes any harm. Each episode features a different theme, a guest or two, to add to the team. Available on Spotify and more, their podcasts what we all adore with conversations light and fun the two guys one topic podcast always begun you got a little bit weird at the end there but on the whole that's pretty <laughs> chat gpt poem isn't it thing is did we start doing this before 2021 because that's all chat gpt knows maybe it just has just started learning it right up to when we started well go back and listen people if you want to learn about chat gpt We'd love to know your thoughts about today's episode. If you've got any opinions about the poems or if you think there was anything like glaringly obvious that we maybe should have pointed out, more than happy to hear that. Hopefully, people listening today have have learned a little bit more about the three poems 
I wandered lonely as a cloud. Do not go gentle into that good night. And shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Yeah, exactly. If you want to hit us up with any information, thoughts, comments, uh, other poems, do so at, at Two Guys One Topic on all of the socials. We'd love to know your thoughts. But until then, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, get out there and share some famous poem knowledge. <laughs>